You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. These are exciting times, ladies and gentlemen. In this first segment, Chris O'Brien's going to tell us about a new cattle mutilation case. A little bit later, we'll hear from Chris Rutkowski, the Canadian UFO researcher, about his survey of 25 years of reports. And of course, when you talk about UFOs, one of the issues that Robert Shaver raised last week was the reliability of eyewitness testimony. Because the skeptic will assume it's all conventional and the eyewitnesses are just plain wrong. Now, a couple of things to mention about that, and I won't dwell on it. Number one, I wrote to Kathleen Marden, who is Betty Hill's niece, and she'll probably be on the show in the next few weeks. But in any case, she remarked that, in general, Schaefer misrepresents the facts about the Hill case to prove his point. That's one thing. The second thing, of course, is that we have this disagreement, apparently, between Micah Hanks and Robert Schaefer, because Hanks, in talking with Schaefer, got the impression he believed that a lot of the people who report UFOs are lying. When we posed that question to him last week, well, maybe some are. So we have two testimony versions here. And if Schaefer's right, that you can't believe a person's testimony, well, why should we believe him? Why should we believe what he has to say or his version of facts if what people say is unreliable? I put that to you, Chris. (laughs) Well, boy you got to go out and, and actually do field work to really get a, a sense of, of how people's memories can fade, how their recollections can differ from one person to the next in, in a, a group that had a, a singular event occur to them. You just can't sit back in your armchair and make sweeping pronouncements about very fundamental elements uh, such as this. And I, I think it's, uh, it does the it does someone with a half a brain on their shoulders a disservice to make sweeping pronouncements like that. I think the big problem also about this is he tries to paint this all with a broad brush. He gives you casual, very simple versions of cases, some of which, as we pointed out with the Rendlesham case, are just plain wrong. And then he says, well, there's nothing to it. Now, I understand we should be skeptical because we have a problem in the UFO field where some people accept everything which you can't do. And I think those who really look at the subject carefully are going to admit that over 90% of the reports of UFOs can be explained by conventional means. But what about the other 10%? The other thing is that UFO researchers, when they really dwell into an important case, they want the ones with multiple witnesses. So you can account for the variations and look for the consistencies. Yeah, good point. So anyway, it's not that we're not going to ever have Schaefer on the show again. He's a nice guy, and I'm sure he believes everything that he says, but that's where you go. Speaking of testimony, this cattle mutilation case that you and David Perkins are looking into, can you tell us more? I can. These cases occurred uh, about 13 miles northeast of Walsenburg, uh, Colorado, which is between Trinidad, which is on the border uh, with New Mexico, right on I-25 between uh, Trinidad and Pueblo, Colorado. It's the next county east of the San Luis Valley counties of Costa and Alamosa. And these animals um, were found, two of them were found, I believe, on 
August 8th, and then another six animals were discovered the following weekend. We have uh, a veterinary report that's pending, that's coming out. There's eyewitness uh, accounts, here we go again, of very unusual helicopter activity uh, the night of of, uh, these reports, and also uh, unusual object sightings, uh, as many as a dozen possibly, in one, uh, one particular account. Some of the helicopter activity is, is uh, in my mind, very theatrical. Uh, in, in one case, the night of, I think, the, the second weekend of the 16th. Uh, again, I'm not totally familiar with the exact details of what happened when. I'm still kind of getting myself up to speed. But we have a very interesting account of at least four military-style helicopters shining spotlights on the ground and in one instance actually shining into a rancher's house uh waking his wife up and and they both ran out to to check it out this is highly unusual uh this case uh there's elements uh, from last march of lasers being pointed at airplanes from the ground and uh, coordinates by the FAA being forwarded to Huerfano County authorities who were dispatched when this happened again the following week. Uh, again, this is back in March. And it's maybe just a coincidence, but the animals that were found mutilated in one of these uh, two groups uh, were in the same pasture. It was the coordinates from someone painting civilian aircraft from the ground with a, a fairly high-powered laser. So it, there's some pretty interesting elements here. And and the sheriff's department is taking all this very, very seriously. Um, ex-sheriff uh, Lou Girotto, who, of course, was made famous in uh, Linda Howe's movie, A Strange Harvest, one of the few law enforcement officials that have come forward and said he thinks that these uh, animals are being mutilated from aliens from outer space. Lou is now in his mid to late 80s. Uh, he's getting up there in years, but he's getting involved here. And we have, uh, obviously, this article coming out in the Werefinal World Journal uh, which would have come out Thursday before the show here. And as with many, many uh, cases of this type, when you have a, a, a large number of animals like this in a single case, there's a, a probability, I, I would say beyond a possibility, that other cases are occurring and not being reported. Once this hits the media, uh, you know, invariably these cases uh, come out, people start talking. So, you know, this is an ongoing investigation. I, I am kind of scooping david a little bit by a few hours here we're taping on wednesday uh before the show that airs on sunday so by the time the show airs this is really going to i think uh, go all over the net and probably go international this is quite a number of animals to be reported in a single single week from a single small area now in general if someone has a situation like this a rancher encounters some kind of episode of this nature where do they go? Do they go to the local police? Is that the only yeah. place? Yeah, generally the calls is filed with the local sheriff. Uh, we're talking about $14,000 worth of, of cattle here. So this is a, loss, a lost investment. One of the ranchers uh, is a very large rancher. Uh, there were only 400 some odd head in this particular herd, but he has animals all over the West. He has the wherewithal and the means to uh, have veterinarian pathology reports uh, uh, conducted and pathology exams to be conducted. So we are waiting to hear some toxicology uh, results. One of the things that uh, is very unusual is four of the animals uh, 
we were gone over with a metal detector. There was some question or maybe they had been shot. And, uh, you know, these, these are classic mutes in the sense that there's no footprints or tire tracks or any sort of evidence at the site. But uh, this is a very good idea, actually, to, to, to go over the animals with, carefully with a metal detector. And four of the animals showed some sort of metal in the hip, uh, but there was no visible means uh, to, you know, there's no bullet holes or anything like that that would indicate why that metal was there. The rancher thought perhaps they'd been darted and the darts had broken off and they just were unable to, to see them and locate them in the carcass. But, you know, the, the vettel uh, obviously tell us whether that's true or not. We'll have more to report about. Over the coming weeks, you can also check out our forums at forum.theparacast.com. Quick reminder, if you join our newsletter, our weekly Paracast newsletter, by going to thepowercast.com and signing up, we'll email you a copy free of the ebook version of Secrets of the Mysterious Valley by Chris. Hundreds of people are signing up, so a lot of attention is certainly being drawn to that book. In any case, today, Chris Rudkowski is going to talk about a report in which he was involved called UFOs Over Canada, 25 Years of UFO Reports. We'll talk about eyewitness testimony, the reliability, and the best cases. A lot more to come with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Mike Stennerson for Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Summertime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know summer is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. 
Log on for summer specials including all sizes of colloidal silver, colloidal minerals, and intestinal freedom on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, hudia, and metabolic complex and pro-metabolic all on sale now. Also, the anti-parasite intestinal freedom and wormwood plus complex plus stevia liquid sweetener and the super enzymes all on sale for summer at herbalhealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and look for summer specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. Whoa! This is big! By popular demand, the Freeze-Dry Guys Giant Factory Authorized Sale has been extended. Now through August, save 30 to 45% on number 10 cans of high-quality Mountain House freeze-dried foods from the Freeze-Dry Guy. Now's the time to stock up on all factory-fresh stock of the finest, best-tasting, longest-proven shelf-life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45%. But hurry, supplies are limited, so this sale is only through the end of August. Call 866-404-3663. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry! The giant factory authorized Mountain House sale with savings of 30 to 45% is extended through August. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris, we have another Chris, Chris Rutkowski, longtime UFO investigator, and we'll talk about the survey in which he was involved covering 25 years of Canadian UFO reports. Chris, welcome back to the PowerCast. Thank you very much. Nice to be back. Let's focus on the first topic of the discussion here. You listened to part of the episode last week with our friend Robert Schaefer. And Robert Schaefer is not impressed with UFOs, not impressed with eyewitness testimony. And as I mentioned to you, I remarked in our previous segment that if what people say can't be relied upon. How do we rely upon what he has to say? What's your reaction, Chris? Well, there's no question that witness testimony is uh, always a little suspect. I mean, the argument is that witness testimony is enough to get you uh, slammed into Sing Sing or Alcatraz under most conditions. So that's true. However, what happens is that there are procedures, there's uh, additional testimony, there's other evidence that's added into that. I mean, there's no question that one should doubt witness testimony in a lot of cases because we come to observations and life with our own biases. We come uh, with a, a lot of extra baggage that does tend to color our views of things. I mean, one only has to look at divorce proceedings in a, <laughs> in a court when you hear what he said versus she said, and it gets pretty messy sometimes. And the truth is somewhere in the middle very often. So I'd have to say, yes, you you should doubt witness testimony, and in fact, don't rely on it 
completely, in fact, exclusively. But one has to assume that people are observing something in order to generate the, uh, the responses. So I sort of agree with uh, Schaefer to a certain extent, and I'm sure he would agree with me on that as well. But uh, the problem is that one has to accept certain things. I mean, one uh, accepts, well, here's an example, bird watchers. You know, bird watching is a very big hobby and people are always uh, collecting notes and uh, exchanging notes on what birds were seen, how many and so forth. And ornithologists use this to supply information to biologists for understanding migration patterns. A lot of it actually has to do with climate change. And, you know, it, it really feeds into a lot of other sciences, even though bird watching by itself isn't a science scientific discipline, although you certainly do collect birdwatching uh, data through uh, good methodology. So those observations are generally accepted, but, you know, by themselves, they may not mean a lot of things to people, but they are used in a lot of circumstances. So I'd have to say that UFO data, while certainly suspect, and one must be suspect of witnesses' observations, you know, they are valuable to a certain extent, and that's kind of what we looked at through our uh, 25 years and also a recent study that I published this past week on uh, analysis of uh, satellite re-entries versus UFOs. So there are a number of circumstances where witness testimony can be useful, and as long as it's useful but not exclusive to what you're talking about, I think we're fine. So then, why do you, do people like uh, Robert Schaefer tend to get key details of a UFO case kind of screwed up? Now, I was thinking of Rendlesham, where he didn't seem to understand that these people were close up to a, a landed UFO and there were ill effects reported by people like John Burroughs and Penniston. It's like he thinks they made it up years later. Well, that's the the, uh, the back stance of, of a lot of uh, skeptics and debunkers, that it couldn't possibly happen, therefore it didn't. And uh, even uh, with regard to some of uh, the studies that we put out, the Canadian UFO Survey, where we simply collect and record and analyze what people have reported, skeptics often say that, oh, those reports can't be true or that your data is obviously suspect. Well, it's not suspect because it's data. It's the interpretation that is the problem. Uh, you know, the, in, the, in the case of Randlesham, I mean, it's a very complicated case. And people come to that case from different approaches. Certainly uh, the views of Peter Robbins and, and others uh, with regard to Randlesham has, have changed over the years. And there's a lot of debate as to what really happened and who's telling what and that type of thing. But there's no question that the incident occurred. Now, what that may be is another matter. And individuals who are, uh, you know, avowed skeptics and debunkers will look at the evidence with, with the viewpoint that it couldn't possibly have happened. People are lying. People have made it up. How can we really interpret this in any other way? And sometimes when you throw the baby out with the bathwater like that, you're left with a very empty tub and there's nothing left to be seen at all except maybe a ring. When you do that, you're, you may be missing the point of the entire case. And, and I think uh, there must be ways of handling cases without disavowing everything. I mean, I would not get very far if I'm uh, interviewing a UFO witness about his or her experience. And my first point to make to the witness while I'm sitting there with him or her is, you know, I know you really didn't see this, but tell me what happened anyways. I mean, that's, that's simply not going to work. So one, uh, no. really, <laughs> one really has to uh, spend some time listening and trying to interpret the raw data without allowing your own biases to creep into it. The key is to ask them what happened, not leave them on. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that would be true in any situation, not just ufology, but it certainly is important in ufology. 
Unfortunately, that's also the problem if you try to do hypnotic regression. It's all too easy to lead the person on and have them deliver the conclusion that you want. Oh, and that is very, very important. Uh, I had the uh, the good fortune of working with uh, with individuals in Toronto during uh, the MIT conference proceedings and that type of thing, uh, with regard to uh, abductions and setting forth guidelines for abduction researchers. And it was very fascinating to, to sit down with some of the experts and the researchers who were laying out guidelines and recommendations for abduction researchers and therapists, most of whom uh, simply didn't sign or acknowledge the guidelines and agreements. So it really went by the wayside. So it's a, a tricky, tricky issue and something that I think really does need to be hammered out. Do you have a general opinion about abduction since the subject has come up? What do you think is happening to these people? The key thing I see before you answer is that in a number of cases, people who supposedly were unaware of other reports of abductions produce the same basic fundamental details. Uh, yes, there's no question of that. Over the course of, uh, I guess I've been at this for 35, going on 40 years now, and uh, I got into the abduction uh, situation very early on when somebody came to me after one of my lectures back in the 80s. And uh, I've been, I guess since then, have had individuals come to me uh, or email me for whatever reasons over the past number of years. I actually uh, created a support group for abductees uh, here in Canada quite a long time ago now, uh, one of the uh, first ones, and I facilitated it. Uh, I, you know, I did as much uh, reading on the literature as possible, consulted with a number of individuals, and I thought, well, it would be interesting to see what happens, and I, uh, I was concerned that they wouldn't, the, the individuals who came out wouldn't be uh, getting any expert guidance otherwise. I was actually working with a clinical uh, psychologist on this, and there's no question in my mind, that ufology is the wrong avenue and the wrong field for dealing with abductions. Uh, and the reason I say that is that I encountered case after case where individuals were clearly experiencing distress, uh, ranging from something as simple as anxiety and depression, uh, either because of or as a consequence uh, or leading into the uh, experience, or things as serious as rape, and uh, physical injury. Let's, let's explore the final answer to that in our next segment. Chris Rutkowski will be covering 25 years of Canadian UFO research and more about his views as to abductions in our next segment with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk. For every political persuasion, we are GCN. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and thwarting phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. 
There's a guy named Dr. Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor. Both a veterinarian and a naturopathic physician, Doc asks, why is this country spending more money on health care by far and ranking 50th in health and longevity worldwide? Doc believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life, and attaining optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic pharmaceutical drugs that lead to side effects that require more expensive and toxic pharmaceutical drugs. Talk about being dependent on drug companies to our own destruction, no less. This is clearly a deadly recipe. Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the government and big pharma manipulation of our health and healthcare system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about healthcare, and I've joined forces with him to help this tireless crusader spread his message. Visit brightsidebend.com and listen to Doc Wallach's deadly recipe lectures. It makes a lot of sense, and I invite you to join our Brightside Bend team. Go to brightsidebend.com. That's www.brightsidebend.com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? So we're starting our focus with Chris Rutkowski on the PowerCast with Gene and Chris on abductions. And before we broke, you had gotten into a discussion about some of the, the basics about the abductions. And maybe you want to continue in that vein? Sure. Uh, and I, I was really just getting to the point that uh, a lot of the individuals who had uh, come to me ostensibly with an abduction story really had other issues 
uh, ranging from something as simple as anxiety or depression to something more serious in a couple of cases of uh, women who had experienced rape and uh, other traumas. So uh, this was completely beyond the purview of ufology. And so I felt uh, completely obligated and then justified in referring them to uh, psychologists and psychiatrists, not because I thought they were crazy, but because I thought that they certainly needed some help in dealing with uh, some of the uh, emotions and uh, other health issues that uh, were manifesting. In fact, the clinical psychologists I were working, I was working with, their goal was to help relieve people's anxiety and other issues surrounding uh, the belief that the aliens were abducting them or bothering them or keeping watch of them and that type of thing. And in doing so, helping the, the, the abductees themselves come to terms of what's going on and uh, help them that way. So that was the, the approach that was being taken. And that's obviously beyond what many uh, abduction researchers do. Uh, and have his backgrounds and uh, and skill sets. So for that reason, uh, I, I tend to dissuade uh, ufologists from getting involved in the abduction situation. You know, I, having said that, I mean, there's some people who are doing some work and have been doing some long-standing work, and and that's fine. My own views about abductions in general, uh, in in my book, uh, Abductions and Aliens: uh, What's Going On. I cite case after case after case of, of uh, you know people who've come to me for assistance and help, and uh, my view is to treat them with compassion and understanding, to try and get to the source of what's going on. And there are cases where I simply have no idea what's going on. Uh, there are cases where I think people have had some traumas in their lives, and uh, that has manifested in a number of ways. In fact, that's been proven true uh, over and over. In fact, I postulated something called alien abduction syndrome, where uh, where some people, not all, some people believe they've been, been abducted for whatever reasons because of issues in their lives. And yet there are cases, in fact, in the 25-year study, which uh, just came out last week, uh, I cited one case, which uh, a lot of people picked up on, of a nurse who told me a very unusual story about how she had come from, a, uh, uh, from her shift working in a hospital. Uh, and she, you know, prefaced it by saying, look, you know, I am not into Star Trek and space operas and all that sort of stuff. I don't have time for, for TV and X-Files and all that thing. You know, I, I have, I'm very, very busy and I don't have vivid dreams, but I had this weird experience. And she told me about how she had come home from a, a shift late at night uh, in an apartment, come home, went into her bedroom, heard a noise outside, thinking it was a burglar, went into her living room and saw two creatures with round heads, very round eyes, very unusual and not typical at all for uh, uh, the, the classic uh, aliens, but uh, with uh, long white robes and appeared to be mittens on their hands. And she thought perhaps they were Holly, uh, Halloween pranksters or something like that. And yet, you know, these creatures talked to her telepathically, according to her, asked her if she wanted to uh, go visit some planets with them, uh, invited her to come with them. And then all of a sudden she remembered that she was immediately transported to a very large hangar where there were a number of craft, um, both cigar and disc, was led into one of the cigar craft. Uh, led down a, a long uh, gangway into the front where there was a control room where she was sat between the two of them who manipulated dials and whatnot and a screen in front of them showed that they were leaving Earth, traveling around a bit. And then the next thing she knows, she was back in her bedroom. The, it was about three or four hours later. She was sitting on her bed 
not in her bed clothes. The bed had not been slept in, and she was uh, completely puzzled as to what had occurred. And she simply, you know, reached out to me saying, "Can you explain what happened? Can you tell me what happened?" <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the woman had no reason to make anything up. She was not seeking publicity. She, uh, in fact, shunned uh, interviews from media. It was uh, very, very puzzling. So what do you do with cases like that? I've had cases where um, an Air Force officer came into my office, sought me out, and uh, explained that uh, he's, he believed that he had been abducted by aliens, and he certainly couldn't tell his commanding officer about it. Lord knows the armed forces have their own problems these days. You know, and proceeded to tell me his experiences. When you get cases like that from people who are in professions where these things shouldn't happen, uh, it really makes you wonder. So on the one hand, we have uh, abduction cases that shouldn't and, and couldn't possibly happen, and yet we have a number of instances where we have people reporting these experiences. And I can't rationalize, I cannot justify dismissing all these cases out of hand, but I look at each one on a case-by-case basis and I say, you know, I think there's uh, there's some good science that can be done. I th- think there's some good studies that can be done, good research, and certainly the help should be there for individuals uh, who have had such experiences and come forward with them. Well, Chris, you've been at this for uh, for decades now, and, and do you see a gradual curtailing of, of abduction reports over the last, let's say, 10 years? Or is it burbling along at at the same level? Uh, and when did when did you see an increase in, in abduction reports? Well, let's, uh, let's see now. I, I'd have to say that abduction reports probably uh, peaked in the 90s. Uh, there's no question that that's when the most uh, cases that I encountered were. Things continued on uh, well into the 2000s. And I think uh, there's been a decline, um, but a, a radical shift in what we're seeing. What my experience has been is that we we're seeing a lot of, of abductee cases. And now what we're seeing is that the abductions have shifted into a contactee phase, which is interesting because that's how they started. The contactees of the 50s and 60s disappeared for a while, and then they've come back um, uh, you know, in full force now because a lot of the... Uh, the books that are now being published, a lot of the stories and uh, cases that are being discussed at uh, UFO conventions and, and wherever are really more contacty, uh, where people are getting automatic writing, their telepathic communications, there's channeling, uh, which is a throwback right right back to the 1950s. And it's interesting that it's, it's like uh, the people who are experiencing uh, and claiming uh, contact right now are doing this in a vacuum as if they had never... Uh, as if the 50s had never occurred whatsoever. And in fact, it's, I took a, a look at some of the 1950s contactee cases and compared them to the 2010-ish contactee cases, and there's really no difference. So I suspect it's uh, a manifestation of the same phenomenon, and whether we're talking, uh, you know, people uh, communicating with Orthon or, or somebody a little more contemporary. Uh, Brother Boko, one of my favorites <laughs> yeah. of all time. Yeah, we're seeing the same type of phenomena. So I, I think the abduction uh, phenomenon peaked in the 90s, and it's really on the way out. In fact, uh, I most of the cases that I've encountered recently are more contacty rather than abductee. Yeah. Do you see a real up, upswelling of cases begin? Um, well, again, probably uh, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, so post-Whitley-Strieber post communion then. Yeah, somewhere in there. I mean, I remember... 
uh, reading um, Bud Hopkins' book, Missing Time, and uh, there was a, a case in there that, uh, uh, according to the book at least, happened uh, very close to me. And when I called him and I, I said, can you tell me a little bit more about this, because I can certainly assist you, he said, well, I, I'd actually changed the location. It didn't happen anywhere near you. <laughs> but it was about that time that I started receiving many more uh, abduction cases coming to me, and uh, it was just a matter of trying to figure out how to help people best. Now, when you talk about kind of reverting back to the earlier style of UFO contacts, of course, they were highly disputed, especially contactees like George Adamski. Mm -hmm. Are people seeing gray aliens or the blonde Venusians and Martians of old? We'll have your answer in our next segment, Chris Rudkowski. We're talking about 25 years of Canadian UFO sightings, about contactees, about abductions, more to come with Gene and... KK, you're in the Paracast. You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. I didn't believe it. Neither did I. No way could you professionally remove unwanted hair, pain-free, and at home. My thoughts exactly. Remove my face and body hair without expensive, painful office visits. Not possible. Great minds think alike. Until I tried No-No Pro. Mm-hmm. Wait, you tried No-No? Yes, and it works. I use it on my face, legs, bikini line. We're BFFs, and you didn't tell me about No-No? Here, this is my new No-No Pro. The most powerful No-No made. Custom treatment levels, less hair in less time, perfect for any skin type. Try it. No hair, no pain, no time consuming expensive office visits? No. No. And no, no. For a limited time, you can try No-No Pro risk-free. You'll also get the facial kit and a travel case. Get weeks of long-lasting results. That's it. I'm getting a no-no. Great minds do think alike. (laughs) (laughs) Try No-No Pro risk-free by calling 800-952-5760. 800-952-5760. That's 800-952-5760. 800-952-5760. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. It's the heart of summer across America. Thoughts turn to childhood and long days of fun. Everybody would love to feel like a kid again. And HB Extract can be a vital tool in your battle to stay vibrant and young as it supports healthy blood pressure and circulation while balancing cholesterol. GCN and longtime sponsor HB Extract want to help keep your heart healthy with the 30-bottle, 30 30-day 30 summer giveaway. Enter to win by visiting GCNlive.com between now and August 29th and click on the contest banner in the top left corner of the page. HB Extract has helped tens of thousands of people worldwide feel good again. And they've done it with HB Extract's exclusive formula of wild crafted and organic herbs. Here's to you enjoying many more long, warm, and fun-filled summers free of pain and sickness. Visit GCNlive.com and enter to win in the 30-bottle, 30 30-day 30 summer giveaway with HB Extract. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Sign up now at GCNlive.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Now, when we have more than one Chris, we call Mr. O'Brien K.K. Barnes, okay? Yes. So we understand how that works. Chris Rutkowski is joining us. So I asked you the question about the form and nature of these new contacts. Are they seeing the same sort of beings that Adamski and Menger reported? As a matter of fact, we are. We are seeing a lot of the blondes uh, as opposed to the grays now. And I think that's an interesting shift that uh, people are reporting, uh, you know, communications telepathically with ethereal beings, in some cases, uh, beings of a higher level of, of development. And certainly the, the impression that we're getting is that the grays are more the physical phenomena, the physical manifestations, and the uh, the other types are more... Uh, the spiritual and the uh, the ethereal. So that's what's coming through from the cases that we're getting. I have to point out, though, that uh, in the 25 years of uh, Canadian UFO reports, a very, very small fraction are, uh, are abductions and contactee cases. In fact, uh, it's, uh, there's probably only a, a, enough to name on one hand. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, it is a, certainly a part of the, an, an aspect of the UFO phenomenon, which uh, has been uh, you know, certainly present in Canada as anywhere else in the world. Let's go further into the 25 years of UFO cases. Now, I was looking at the numbers of cases each year, and I noticed you had more sighting reports in 2012 and 2013 than most of the previous years. Am I looking at that correctly? Yes. In fact, there is a peak back in uh, uh, 2012. Um, We're not entirely sure why. Uh, In fact, things seem to have gone down a little bit since then, but uh, even so, last year was... Uh, still one of the highest numbers on on record. Uh, cases in general, in fact, uh, it was interesting to read some of the reports and stories that have been in the news and some of the UFO publications about uh, UFO reports seem to be on the decline, there's hardly any reported anymore, etc. When in fact, if you actually look at the data, uh, the numbers are increasing, have been increasing fairly constantly since the 90s. We began uh, the Canadian UFO survey in the late 1980s, things have certainly increased fairly steadily since then. Now, 
One can point to uh, the uh, the wider use of the internet. One can point to uh, a number of ways in which people can report UFOs now. And back in the uh, 80s and early 90s, people were limited, not exclusively, but uh, um, but phone calls and uh, uh, telexes and and letters and that type of thing. With the internet uh, becoming so widely used back in the 90s and this blossoming now, it's so easy for people to report UFO sightings, and they are reporting them in great numbers to a number of UFO uh, websites. So that's part of it. Although, uh, when you look at the various sources that we're relying upon, uh, that re- seems to remain fairly constant. So I would have to say that the uh, the UFO cases, uh, the UFO, sorry, the numbers of UFO reports themselves uh, are going up. Um, it's is it that people are seeing more things, or are they paying more attention? I like to say that we're living in the Steven Spielberg generation, or maybe the Michael Bay generation. I'm not sure. It's a later generation. But in a generation where aliens are a commonplace, they're widely accepted, uh, it's assumed that the aliens are out there and would want to visit Earth. So with that background now, uh, I think people are spending some time looking up with the understanding that maybe some of those uh, lights and things moving up there may be aliens. And, uh, you know, I know somebody who wants to hear about it because I saw it on a website, so I'll report it. So there's a number of factors at work here. Uh, but the reality is that over the past 25 years, uh, we've uh, received and, and looked at uh, around 15,000 UFO reports in Canada. Uh, and that's actually more than Project Blue Book looked at during the, its run, which is quite interesting. They looked, I think their run was about 18 or 19 years. Ours is 25, so it's, uh, it's a, a little bit off. But when you look at the fact that they have the entire resources of the United States Air Force at disposal, whereas ufology research uh, has been largely just uh, consisting of a few investigators here and there and, and dedicated individuals who have been spending some time uh, looking at cases themselves without any monetary gain or uh, uh, or resources at all. Now, let's look at something else now. In the Project Blue Book report, there were 701 unexplained cases, which was 20-some-odd percent. Mm-hmm. Okay, what percentage of those cases that you explored do you regard as unknowns? We had a, a, a first pass, and I think it's, it was something like 13 or 14 percent unknown. So we actually had uh, a little bit lower than, than Blue Book. But uh, once we actually started looking into those cases, and uh, we spent some time going through them, as a matter of fact, uh, my colleagues Jeff Dittman and Ashley Kitcher uh, spent some time in my living room going through case after case after case of all the, the high-quality unknowns looking for the best of the best of the best. Um, and uh, it was interesting to look through some of them and being a little more discriminating. And we brought that down to somewhere in the neighborhood of 1% or 2%. Now, that seems low when you consider the Project Blue Book unknowns uh, were 20%, but even the 1% when you're looking at 15,000 cases is still very, very significant. And when I when we talk about the high-quality unknowns, you have to remember that these are cases that were uh, investigated by civilians, so in many cases we don't have... Um, you know, Air Force reports and and uh, analysis and discussion between various uh, individuals in, uh, in military observations and that type of thing. But we have cases that may contain 
uh, government investigation, RCMP investigation, investigation by the Air Force, uh, cases where there's evidence, cases where there's a lot of documentation as to what happened and no questions, sometimes physical evidence, uh, often photographic evidence. And so we were perhaps a little more discriminating than uh, Project Blue Book, and yet we still were left with a very, very significant number of cases which are a little head-scratching. Okay, looking at these numbers here. Now, did you get any cooperation at all from your Air Force in putting this information together? Well, I, I have to say uh, that cooperation um, is uh, is a, a odd way of putting it, but yeah, I would say that we had we were uh, we had some good cooperation from the, uh, the Canadian Armed Forces, as we did from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Transport Canada, which is a Canadian equivalent of the uh, uh, FAA. Uh, and a number of other organizations. Um, and the reason we, we can say that is because we actually do have these reports. Um, in fact, up until about 1995, so as the, uh, the study was running and, and winding down, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police um, had a directive to investigate UFOs on behalf of the Canadian National Research Council, which would have kind of be the equivalent of the Smithsonian in the States, uh, because they were trying to uh, locate some meteorites and the idea is that a lot of ufos in the sky were nothing more than meteors and fireballs and uh if you followed all the witness reports and directions and that type of thing you'd eventually find a meteorite on the ground which we would be valuable to science and that actually happened in a couple of cases where uh, uh witness reports were able to allow astronomers to find uh, a meteorite on the ground now, what happened was, is that in about 1995-ish or so, uh, the individuals in charge of the meteoritics uh, in the National Research Council um, uh, passed away in some cases and uh, lost funding, and it just the, the entire Canadian Space Agency uh, changed direction. Uh, so the RCMP were no longer required to do that. However, the reports continued to come in. Because people were used to, you know, reporting UFOs to RCMP and Air Force and so forth. And um, I remember meeting, because my background is in astronomy, I was uh, at a meeting of astronomers in Ottawa. And I remember meeting with someone from the National Research Council, uh, complaining bitterly about these UFO cases coming in. I said, well, you know, if you want, you can always send them to me because I'm interested in what people are reporting. And maybe we can still find some meteorites. And it was a few years later, I think it was 2000, uh, when I started getting reports uh, that were um, filed and and, uh, made available to various government, Canadian government organizations. And so for, uh, uh, you know, for times after that, I sort of became uh, the Fox Mulder of Canada, where I actually was getting, um, you know, reports from Air Force officers, RCMP, and so forth. And all the RCMP cases uh, up until 1995 had always been made available um, to Canadian citizens. In other words, there was no disclosure necessary because uh, the reports that were filed made their way into the National Archives, which were always available. And what's happened is that over the past, I guess, five, six, seven, eight years, the National Archives has been digitizing their collection and uh, all the uh, reports since then uh, have been made available as well. So um, disclosure isn't an issue uh, in, in Canada with regard to these cases because we have the RCMP, RCAF, uh, and other cases that are widely available. 
let's do the break here. Okay. Chris Rutkowski telling us about 25 years of Canadian UFO reports, some 15,000 cases in all, with Gene and K.K. Barnes, sometimes known as Chris O'Brien. You're in The Paracast. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. G.C.N. Good people need help. The Homeowners Association said we had weeds and fined us $25. We told them they had the wrong house. They said if we didn't pay it, they'd file a lien. Our attorney demanded photographs, witnesses, and told them if they couldn't provide this, they must cease and desist. Issue solved. Worry less and live more with LSProtection.com. That's LSProtection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. That's 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call one 800 The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, Now, just imagine, there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercial, just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. All right, this is getting really fascinating here. It's almost like it's the polar opposite in Canada of getting copies of reports. Here, you want to contact the authorities. You've got to get the freedom of information requests. And unfortunately, it appears that the Obama administration is a little more stringent about that. Do you try to coordinate the big UFO cases you explored with possible repercussions in this country? The problem is that, you know, ever since Blue Book finished, we really don't have access to uh, official records in the United States of what people are seeing and reporting. So there is a, a bit of a gap there. But if we can, you know, look at the Canadian situation as a good example of might be happening, we could probably assume, and uh, you're not supposed to assume, but I think in this case you can, that, that in the United States, just as many cases are occurring and, and being reported 
but uh, we simply don't have access to all those reports. So I think there, uh, there are a lot of reports that are, are floating around out there somewhere. I mean, no, no question that Peter Davenport and, and uh, MUFON more recently and a number of other individuals are recording cases uh, from the public, and we certainly use those in our data for Canada. So I think the United States is very well represented. I think the general rule of thumb that we have is that Canada is probably 10% less than the United States in terms of numbers of UFO cases, and that's proven true in a number of uh, situations. So I'm guessing if we have 15,000 cases over the past 25 years, there's probably 150,000 uh, cases in the United States, if not more. And that's simply going by uh, population uh, predictions and, and things like that. So there's a, a lot of cases out there. And it is very good that there are individuals like Peter Davenport and others who are compiling this data so that uh, they can be used in uh, scientific methodology approaches to studying the UFO phenomenon. Are you in touch with NARCAP at all also? Um, we've got some cases uh, from NARCAP. Transport Canada, the equivalent of uh, FAA, as I mentioned, um, does provide us with information on uh, pilot cases from time to time. Uh, it's not a, a smooth transition. It's not seamless, but uh, we do get cases reported from uh, airports uh, in Canada which automatically go into our annual Canadian UFO surveys. So our annual studies, uh, which we accumulated to produce the 25-year study, uh, really do get a good cross-section of what people are reporting, not only from the lay public, but we get cases from pilots, from air traffic controllers, from armed forces personnel, in some cases from the uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police as well. So we're getting good reports from good observers. Uh, that allows us to, to say, you know, we, we really think there is a real phenomenon that's being observed by so many people in Canada. Uh, the, there have been polls that have been conducted. We were part of uh, one poll back a number of years ago that affirmed 10% of the population in Canada believe they've seen UFOs. There have been similar polls in the United States through Gallup and a few other organizations that you know verify that it's 10%. So if you're looking at 10% of the population uh, who've seen UFOs in Canada alone, that's uh, 3 or 4 million. In the United States, you're looking at 30, 40, 50 million. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who are seeing UFOs and we simply you know, don't have records for a vast majority of them. Before we get more into the nuts and bolts, obviously only a fraction of the people who see UFOs ever bother to report them. And I understand a reluctance, say, on the part of airline pilots, where they might not want their reputations tarnished by reporting these things. But how do we encourage regular people to report what they've seen? That's a good question. Um, I think it's a matter of public education. Uh, I know up in here in Canada, uh, astronomy has is almost vanished from the uh, middle school uh, uh, and high school curriculum. Uh, there's so many other issues that are, are considered more important, so it's even tougher uh, dedicated teachers to get astronomy, let alone UFOs, included into a curriculum. There are a few uh, cases where that's an exception, but in the United States uh, and around the world, uh, ufology and, and the UFOs, the facts about UFOs, uh, is something that's hard to get across. So I think Certainly public education programs, certainly podcasts like yours, certainly getting some media attention through annual studies uh, will certainly contribute to this. And I guess we have to mention the uh, the TV shows at one point um, that raise people's awareness, not necessarily providing facts, but they certainly real, raise people's awareness. And I hope that people you know engage in some lively discussion after watching some of the shows that are being produced. Unfortunately, some of those shows have less than stellar reputations for factual accuracy. Do you think 
that's a mixed bag, that people get a false impression of what the subject is all about because of what they see? Or is the fact that they're just aware that things are going on sufficient to have them report? Well, there's no question that uh, there's issues of accuracy. Um, there's issues of uh, the way in which the data is presented. I mean, Kurt Collins caught me on an interesting one where I was uh, quoted for the Close Encounters TV show. Uh, I was asked to comment on uh, the Cash Landrum case. And somewhere in my reading of so many cases over the years, I, I had thought I'd heard something about uh, lightning bolts or energy bolts or something like that emanating from the craft uh, in addition to the heat waves, which was apparently wrong. So there's little facts like that that creep into cases and become part of the ufo milieu yeah i bet you the skeptics jumped all over that oh yeah uh, absolutely yeah, yeah you can't <laughs> trust uh you can't trust us at all to me the, the the issue in the cash landrum case for example is well did it happen at all uh what about the medical effects what about the you know the site itself where there helicopters flying in the air the lawsuit that was launched against uh, the united states uh, by the individuals involved I mean, why, why so did they replace that whole section of road where the event allegedly occurred yeah there, there's so many issues involved in there that that uh, you know again you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater by pointing uh, and, uh, at a few details that uh, you can always look up in fact uh, uh, when I was questioned about this after the fact I said well you know if you look up the details of the case and there's a number of very good accounts of the case uh, you can see that there's a lot more to the case than what we uh, we've simply covered in a in a five minute segment on television so yes I think that there are some very important ways in which we can communicate to the public through television. Yes, a lot of the TV shows are wanting uh, because they're really entertainment rather than anything else. I know that uh, I'm part of the 701 movie that's uh, in the works right now. Uh, Close Encounters second season uh, has been filmed and I'm part of that as well. There's a show that's being uh, aired right now in the United States for the first time, a Canadian production called Indians and Aliens, specifically about uh, Aboriginal uh, sightings and experiences with uh, with UFOs. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but it's like that everywhere on TV. I mean, you can you can watch Schlock on TV or you can uh, watch some good stuff, uh, try and read up on it. I would hope that people aren't just uh, ingesting all this, uh, this stuff without thinking about what they're actually watching. Unfortunately, I'm sure that's the case. In, in many situations. Right. Well, you mentioned uh, the Cash Landrum case. Of course, it's famous for the physical effects that uh, the witnesses uh, experienced, actually very detrimental physical effects. Now, one of the best cases, I think, uh, that we have from anywhere is the famous uh, Stefan Michelak case from 1967 at Falcon Lake, where he had a burn pattern on his clothing and on his, uh, I think, chest, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. From what he claimed was the UFO's exhaust port. Uh, this question comes from Burnt State, one of our posters at forum.theparacast.com. And he, he asks, as someone who has investigated this story, just how important do you feel this case is in the annals of ufology and why? Well, I think it's very, very important. And it's probably, uh, even though it's been uh, discussed and recreated in a number of TV shows and it's in a couple of books, I think it, it hasn't been emphasized enough. Uh, when you look at what's involved, that we have a, a fellow who's a former military officer has an experience encountering a you know apparently physical craft there's physical uh, effects in the environment there were uh, pine needles and uh, uh, and other uh, tree branches and whatever that were burned in the area he's physiologically injured he was uh, taken to the Mayo Clinic for study uh, but there's a lot of other details the area was actually considered being cordoned off by the Canadian government because of high radiation 
In fact, uh, there were some uh, nuclear waste dumps that were actually investigated to see if anybody had broken in and taken any nuclear waste material out of there to seed the site. That was how serious it was taken. The case was investigated not only by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and the Canadian Air Force, but also the United States Air Force. It, it is included in the Condon Report. It is included in a number of other sites and, and sources. And what's most fascinating is that the witness, Stefan Mihalik, never actually talked in terms of aliens. He, until his death, he thought he had experienced or had some encounter with a secret American space vehicle. It was under some sort of test that went awry. Chris Rutkowski joins Gene and Chris O'Brien, or KK. You're in the Paracast. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means. Many investors are turning toward gold as a common sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800 686 Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable, and black bean olive. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or Call 541-229-0010 and order today. Eat them every day. Take them camping or save them for an emergency. Check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon. That's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in Oregon by Oregon Trail Foods. 30dayfoodsupply.com. 
This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Chris Rutkowski is with us. So when we broke, he was mentioning the fact that the witness thought of it as maybe a test aircraft. It doesn't matter what they think. It's what happened that counts, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have, uh, you know, the witness was available for uh, interviews over and over and over again. The uh, site was accessible. As a matter of fact, it's not quite the end of the summer yet. If uh, if anybody uh, in the United States want to come up to uh, Canada, they actually have a horseback tour of the area where this occurred. Uh, well, they'll take you on a, on a pack horse uh, tour up uh, into the wilderness and, and uh, guide you and tell you what happened uh, to Mr. Mihalik back in 1967. There's t-shirts available. It's, I suppose it's kind of Canada's Roswell in a certain way. And the other factor is that we have documents and from the United States, from the, uh, actually from the United States Air Force, but from the uh, Royal Canadian Air Force, Canadian Forces at the time, we have uh, the reports from the RCMP. Uh, and I'm talking not just a few documents, we're looking at hundreds of pages of documents which are available about this instance. And there really aren't very many cases uh, in UFO literature that are so well documented I mean, an available witness, a site that's accessible, plus official documents. That's uh, that's really quite remarkable, and I, I think it's something that really deserves a little more attention than it's getting. What did the Condon Committee conclude about that case? The Condon Committee actually listed the case as unexplained uh, in its index. Uh, and I think this was the case that, that suggested uh, along the lines of, I have, to, I have to look up the quote, but I think it was the one where they said that if the case is proven correct, it would definitely prove the, uh, the existence of unidentified flying objects in our environment, uh, which would be an understatement, uh, to say the least. On the other hand, uh, I know that Roy Craig believed that it was a hoax um, based on the fact that uh, the site was not found when uh, the military and uh, RCMP officers took uh, Mr. Mihalik back out to the area. They tromped around in the wilderness for uh, uh, quite a while, apparently, but he was disoriented, uh, couldn't find the site. And when the site was actually found sometime later, he didn't report to them. He reported actually to a, uh, uh, a local UFO group who went out there and looked at it with them. And that immediately led some suspicion that uh, perhaps, uh, you know, he had uh, made up the entire thing. 
in fact, when I was involved in you know, a reinvestigation of the case back in the 1970s, uh, I was speaking with a nuclear physicist who was of the opinion that uh, Mr. Mihalik had actually fallen on a barbecue grill. That's how he burned himself. And uh, the radiation was explained by the fact that uh, for some reason he was trying to create his own nuclear bomb by banging rocks of uh, pitch blender uranium together. It was such a preposterous idea <laughs> that I found it hard to believe that someone actually physicist. came up with that as an explanation. It was a nuclear physicist. It was actually quite interesting. In fact, the barbecue explanation was the one that really threw me because the marks on Mahalik's body. Uh, if you just imagine a barbecue grill, you know, there's the, you know, the, the, the lines in one direction and the lines in the other direction. Uh, the marks on Mihalik's body were actually round dots. So, in other words, the opposite of a barbecue grill. Well, it may have been a test barbecue grill. A test barbecue grill, right, yeah. <laughs> so, a lot of explanations have been postulated for this case. I, in one of my reports on it, I say, okay, if it's a hoax... I mean, the fact that so many man-hours uh, were spent looking for it, I would be surprised if the Canadian government you know, wouldn't have you know, just charged this guy because, I mean, you're, when you're talking radiation and the possibility of breaking into a nuclear waste site and, and going on from there, well, why wouldn't it be taken more seriously than it was? So I, I, I don't think it was a hoax. I had the opportunity, oddly enough, of... Uh, uh, knowing uh, the Mihalik family uh, as a child, because my um, I used to play, you know, riding my bikes and, and stuff like that with one of his sons. And so I, I knew the family quite well. And, you know, they were very sincere. They had no reason whatsoever to make the story up. Uh, they did not seek publicity. In fact, they tried to avoid publicity because they were bombarded with so much back in the 1960s. I don't think it was a hoax. Now, is it a possible fabrication after the fact? That's one thing that's been proposed because there was radioactive pieces of silver found uh, in a crack uh, in the rock over which this object was supposed to have uh, been hovering. The radioactive silver was very unusual. One would not expect that. I mean, what's going to happen? A spaceship is going to leak radioactive silver or something? Um, very, very strange. It's possible that somebody tried to make the case look uh, even better or you know, undermine it. Uh, along the way. So I think there's a lot more questions that need answering with regard to this case. Dismissing it a hoax as a hoax doesn't really explain a lot of the effects and answer a lot of the questions that have arisen since the case uh, became uh, famous or infamous. So I think it remains one of the more interesting cases, uh, not only in Canada, but anywhere in the world. Me to a question from a fellow Canuck, uh, Randall, who uh, runs uh, USI in Calgary, has a question that he posted at forum.theparacast.com where you can ask our guests uh, any question you'd like. And if we think it's worthy, we'll read it. He's wondering if you have any other cases besides a McCulloch case that involves human or animal injury, illness, or death. That's a good question. I'm trying to think if there have been. I think there were a few cases. I seem to recall that there was a case in... Um uh, Charleswood, Manitoba, back in the 1960s as well, where there were um, uh, some medical effects. People were getting headaches uh, as, a, as a cause of some UFOs that were seen and, uh, and, and a landing where the, the actual landing area gave people headaches. Uh, but in terms of injuries, I'm trying to remember of some that come to mind in Canada over the past number of years. Nothing's coming to mind. Um, certainly nothing that we would have medical records for. So um, I, I can't recall any. 
Good people are at least staying away when they're on the ground. I, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, run away, run away. <laughs> well, uh, we do have a bunch of questions here. Um, I'm going to fire a couple of these at you. And um, one of the ones that people are asking about, of course, is the, uh, and and one that's been, you know, the debunkers have had some some uh, fun with is the the case that um, I think it was Jim Oberg uh, debunked as saying that it was um, re-entry of, uh, of a Soviet, the second stage of a Soviet rocket. I believe that was up in the Yukon in, in 1996, if I'm correct. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the, um, it's the one that Jim Oberg said that, um, that uh, the witnesses were actually seeing the second stage re-entry of a Cosmos 2335 rocket. This, this question comes from Burnt State. Yeah, it's a, a very interesting case, and uh, uh, there's, uh, I know that Oberg uh, cites it. Uh, the work was actually done um, by uh, Ted Malsnan, or sorry, Malsen, um, uh, who's one of the people on CSAT who uh, uh, study satellite reentries and make lists of them and so forth. In fact, I had emails from Ted just this morning. Uh, it's interesting that we're getting some um, you know good dialogue going between uh uh, skeptics and ufologists. Well, that would be a change, and we'll have to cover this more in our next segment where you can flesh this out. Reminder, go to theparacast.com, theparacast.com, sign up for our weekly newsletter, get a free copy of the ebook version of Chris O'Brien's Secrets of the Mysterious Valley. It is free. Chris Rutkowski joins us. You're in The Paracast. <laughs> Listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com on Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. 
Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So when we have that inevitable clock, that computerized clock that says break, break now or forever hold your peace. Chris Rutkowski was formulating his answer to KK's question. I had to stop it. But let's continue now. Sure. Yeah, the Fox Lake case, um, many people have probably seen it now. A very large object was seen by uh, about uh, uh, 30 witnesses at least uh, as it moved ponderously uh, over a a lake and over some mountains. Um, It was investigated uh, by a very dedicated uh, researcher, Martin Jacek, um, and uh, he tracked down all the witnesses themselves who didn't have any knowledge of each other. The case had actually not been reported. In fact, this particular case was never part of our Canadian UFO survey uh, because it occurred in 1996 in December and it didn't become uh, uh, public knowledge or wasn't uh, actually accessed by us until well into 1997. So it wasn't part of the 1996 data, Uh, but it's one of the more interesting ones ever recorded. 
uh, a lot of people saw a large, a large object with windows um, uh, moving along. Other uh, people had seen from one end of the lake to the other. Uh, the time difference was actually uh, quite significant. So there was a very interesting, well-observed UFO case. And quite recently, uh, Ted Molson determined that what was being seen was actually the re-entry of a, of a spacecraft. And what's curious about that is it does uh, seem to, to be visible at the exact time that uh, some of the reports were occurring. The problem that we're having is, is that I, I'm not convinced that all of the observations fit the uh, the explanation. In fact, there's some interesting reports where there was a a, a couple uh, or two men traveling about a kilometer or a mile apart, and they both saw the object. The person in the lead were they were both driving in separate vehicles. The person in the lead stopped his vehicle, got out, and looked up and said that this object, which he drew as a, you know a disc shaped object with a, a round light. Uh, underneath passed directly over him the person who was stopped some distance away uh, was looking towards uh, the other vehicle his uh, his uh, his colleague and saw this large object with you know uh, windows or whatever pass over the uh, the car ahead of him now if this was actually a re-entry of a satellite that could not happen because this object of the the satellite was re-entering very high up in the atmosphere and we're talking uh, of the order of 150 kilometers something like that so it's it's quite high uh, possibly you know getting down lower to about 100 um, and this angle difference wouldn't work so the argument is that these uh, observations where the object is passing overhead uh, must be mistaken and people's uh, you know estimate of angles are really bad there's actually a couple of other people who said that they saw the object pass overhead and described it as a large disc shaped object uh, as well so uh, the skeptics are simply saying that uh, the the people's descriptions are wrong and what they actually saw with the space junk and it's been said from time to time that uh, space junk entering the atmosphere often looks like a cigar shaped object with windows and you know that's valid to a certain extent what's curious and what's very very new in fact um, just over the past few days is that i've made available a study that i conducted um, and it's only been available or, or only been possible to do this recently because uh, ted Molson's report on uh, the re-entries that were visible and possibly identifiable as ufos uh, has only been recently made available and the 25-year study that I've done has only been recently been made available. And what I did is I pushed the two together. I said, how many of the cases in the 25-year study over the past 25 years, quarter century, are re-entries that are on this list of re-entries that should be visible over North America? And it turns out there's, uh, I think, uh, 14 that match. And sure enough, we get reports. It's very easy. In fact, we've made available the data itself on our website for people to look at. And yes, there are reports of UFOs uh, that were filed and reported a number of agencies, not only official agencies like uh, the, uh, the Air Force and so forth, but also to civilian organizations that match the times of the reentry uh, of certain satellites. What is most interesting is that people don't uh, typically or have had not typically reported long cigar shaped objects with windows um, and uh, uh, what was reported were fireballs in fact in most of the cases the ufo investigators themselves listed 
the uh, UFOs as having explanations, in other words, IFOs, because they sounded like satellites re-entering. So what uh, seems to be is that uh, in about 94% of the uh, reports uh, that match the re-entries, they were not considered UFOs at all. They were actually considered space junk re-entering uh, fireballs, that type of thing, uh, correctly identifying what they were. Uh, so what I'm suggesting as one interpretation is that UFO investigators and witnesses are actually a lot better uh, than widely purported by uh, some of the skeptics and debunkers. In other words, a UFO witness who sees uh, the re-entry of a satellite or a, a rocket booster is going to report an object that looks like a re-entry of a satellite or a rocket booster for the most part. So, so people's descriptions match the facts uh, in they this do particular match the, case. They do. So the question is then, why would this particular case in Fox Lake uh, in the Yukon in 1996 be so different where people were reporting large structured objects uh, and not fireballs in a re-entering satellite? Uh, to me, that's quite curious and uh, suggests there's more to it than meets the eye. Uh, sorry for the pun and, and literally there. But uh, it does suggest that there's more to the case than that. And even if it is the case that the uh, all the witnesses, all 35 or, or so of them, all saw this particular uh, satellite uh, booster re-entering, um, the question is, why are the interpretations so different? So I would argue there's still much that can be learned from studying this particular case and dismissing it out of hand probably is not warranted. Right. Well, this brings up an interesting uh, point that I've encountered from time to time, and that is witnesses reporting uh, mundane objects such as planes, in a case or two birds, that then appear to morph into a classic UFO shape. And when we come back from our break, I'd like to get your, um, you know, your opinion on some of these cases that I'm sure you have in your database, and what could be operative here. You want to answer that briefly, Chris? And oh, then I, we'll I, do I, the I break. was going to wait <laughs> sure. until after the break. Right? No, it's okay. We got two minutes. Okay. Uh, well, there are cases where uh, objects changed uh, appear, uh, change shape and appearance. There's no question of that. Um, I know that some of the cases that I've looked at were um, video cases and photographic cases where the objects seem to change from, uh, you know, a disc shape to uh, two balls next to one another, back again, that type of thing. And those are certainly optical effects. Um, but in other cases where people said they were seeing birds and then the birds suddenly changed into a, an aircraft that zoomed over their heads, I really don't know what to think of those. And uh, the problem is that, that what do you do with these really, really strange cases that, uh, that come to you as, uh, as UFO data? They're certainly not uh, standard stars, airplanes, helicopters, and so forth. There's something else uh, at work here. And, uh, you know, it just adds to the mystery of trying to figure out the entire UFO phenomenon. And uh, that's why I think we have to have some decent investigation going on. In fact, one of my biggest concerns is that most UFO uh, uh, sightings that are reported are not investigated. And uh, to me, that's one of the, the biggest problems in ufology right now. All right. That's a good point there. And one will get ready to break on. But first, let me remind our listeners once again, we have this great book that Chris O'Brien wrote a few years back called Secrets of the Mysterious Valley. There's an ebook version, and I'll tell you what we're going to do. Due to Chris's generosity, I didn't browbeat him to do this, folks. We'll offer a free copy of the ebook version if you subscribe to our weekly Paracast newsletter. 
Go to theparacast.com, theparacast.com. Right there above the fold is a link. You enter your email address, you sign up, you get the newsletter, and you get the book. We have Chris Rutkowski joining us with Gene and Mr. O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TechNightOwl for a special discount. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. A sudden change in the wind. The day grows dark as ominous clouds move in and lightning begins to carve arcs in the sky. And you realize you are not prepared. I am telling you to take cover. The number of intense storms is increasing exponentially in the U.S. Tornadoes, hurricanes, flooding, and droughts are happening with greater magnitude and frequency. If you are choosing to rely on the government to save you... And no one's coming to help them. You could be dead wrong. The first step towards self-reliance in the face of disaster is a visit to MyPatriotSupply.com. There you'll find the absolute best prices on storable foods, non-GMO seeds, emergency water filtration devices, and so much more. All orders over $49 qualify for free shipping in the lower 48. Visit us online or call 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. And speak to one of our preparedness advisors today. Remember, before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from ProFlowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers, picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to ProFlowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's ProFlowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. 
It's the heart of summer across America. Thoughts turn to childhood and long days of fun. Everybody would love to feel like a kid again. And HB Extract can be a vital tool in your battle to stay vibrant and young as it supports healthy blood pressure and circulation while balancing cholesterol. GCN and longtime sponsor HB Extract want to help keep your heart healthy with the 30 Bottle 30 Days Summer Giveaway. Enter to win by visiting GCNlive.com between now and August 29th and click on the contest banner in the top left corner of the page. HB Extract has helped tens of thousands of people worldwide feel good again. And they've done it with HB Extract's exclusive formula of wild crafted and organic herbs. Here's to you enjoying many more long, warm, and fun-filled summers free of pain and sickness. Visit GCNlive.com and enter to win in the 30-bottle, 30-day summer giveaway with HB Extract. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Sign up now at GCNlive.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. See the respect with which we hold my co-host. It's not Chris or KK, it's Mr. O'Brien, right? He doesn't want to say anything about that. (laughs) Okay. By the way, that noise there that you heard, that's my iPhone telling me that a local teriyaki dinner type place is offering a Thai meal. I don't understand that. Chris Rutkowski is joining us. We're not going to talk about food. That's on a different show. We're talking about UFOs, UFO cases. But I just wanted to bring in the comparison, moving into the Cash Landrum case, obviously not in your country. Do you find that and the older case where someone suffered nasty after effects to be similar in many respects or any respects? Yeah, there's no question that uh, that there are similarities between Cash Landrum and uh, the Mihalik case. Um, you know, both uh, seem to be burned by a thermal effect of some sort, um, which does suggest, uh, you know, something uh, mechanical, uh, that there is some sort of uh, heat that was generated. And certainly if you're close to a, you know, an exhaust from a, a vehicle of some sort, that'll certainly be one of the effects. Uh, there have been a number of other cases where, where that's been manifesting. So I, I would say that there are some similarities, uh, you know, for people to look at if they're looking at these individual cases. Okay. Now, what about Rendlesham? Again, we have nasty side effects. Uh, certainly nasty side effects. And we certainly have a, uh, a number of theories. I mean, remember the good old lighthouse theory that was proposed first of all, and uh, you know, that goes back to Jenny Randall's and others uh, quite a long time ago. Uh, Brenda Butler, I think, in, in her book too, had something like that. But the reality is that uh, something happened uh, just outside an airbase and there were military observers. Now, to me, that alone suggests that the case should be investigated a little bit more thoroughly, um, not only by the uh, the military investigators, by but by civilian investigators, because of the military uh, witnesses are available for talking with now. And there are a number of different versions that are bobbing around like now, and there's a lot of controversy. I've, I've read uh, uh, the controversy surrounding the latest book that's come out, um, it, it unfortunately, all it's doing is muddying the waters, uh, really, because it calls into question whether the incident happened at all. It calls into question whether the witnesses, uh, some of the witnesses were making things up. Uh, it's getting hard to separate fact from fiction. And uh, that's too bad, because this is a, a very interesting case in the annals of ufology. 
Another interesting case from the annals of ufology, um, again, is kind of outside your 25-year your um, study and in report, but it's probably, if there is a Canadian Roswell and the McCulloch case isn't it, uh, Shag Harbor would be really a, quite high up on my list of, uh, of really good, well-documented Canadian cases. Now, the involvement, you know, we've covered the case on previous episodes with you, but but the involvement of the military uh, in Shag Harbor is particularly intriguing. And do we see any other parallel cases where the military gets involved to the extent uh, that they did in this case? And do we have we seen any other cases where it appears the Canadian and um, American uh, defense apparatus are working together in some fashion? Well, I think there uh, there is. And one that comes to mind is uh, Rivers, Manitoba. Also from 1967, oddly enough, the same year of both Shag Harbor and uh, the Mihalik case in Falcon Lake, and also in in, uh, Manitoba. Uh, This was quite interesting because I found the the documents for this case in the Canadian National Archives. happened on August 28th. There were six witnesses. Uh, Three of them were military personnel, all stationed at a military base uh, there. Plus, there were some civilians. In fact, uh, um, two of the witnesses were a military uh, individual and his girlfriend. Um, And they were separated. These witnesses were separated by by a significant distance. And uh, it started when uh, two additional witnesses started uh, the the case investigation by there was an explosion that rattled windows and and there were vibrations and and all this sort of stuff. There were balls of flame. And here's the flame thing again. That sounds reminiscent of uh, Cash Landrum. It was uh, it flared up. A number of people saw it moving around. What's curious is not necessarily the report itself and the fact that we have military observers and military witnesses. But one thing that's that's very weird is that in the reports that I was able to find, it actually said that uh, an investigation team was quickly assembled and was dispatched to the site. Now, this investigation team was dispatched from Winnipeg to Rivers, which is about, you know, three, four hours away, and dispatched immediately. Uh, and this is a case where we have evidence that uh, there is an actual UFO investigation team. So in other words, a Blue Book team, and this, t- this case is actually part of Blue Book, um, that, the, uh, uh, that w- you know, we have individuals in the military uh, assembled and is like Avengers assemble. Let's get out right out there and investigate the case, um, which is, to me, quite interesting because if the UFO phenomenon was not being taken seriously why would there be uh, a team that could be identified and assembled and dispatched immediately to uh, a location where something had been experienced Uh, now if this is what we know happens in canada it seems completely reasonable that a similar team of some sort was uh, at work or you know ready to be dispatched in the United States. So to me, we have some evidence that the military investigation involvement in UFO cases was very, very significant. If anybody says that they don't take these cases seriously, uh, I think at least back then they did. Perhaps <laughs> today it might be different, but uh, but they, I, I really have a sense that they did. Another thing that. Um, that comes to mind for me personally as uh, someone that's really uh, d- dove into the unexplained livestock death phenomenon is um, the number of cases that occurred in Canada 
uh, of cattle mutilations uh, during the early to mid 80s when the RCMP was uh, very active in investigating claims by ranchers, mostly in Saskatchewan, Alberta, uh, some in BC, some further over in Manitoba. But but it, it seems like the, the authorities there in Canada took these cases very seriously. Now, do you have any cases that mention UFO sightings in conjunction with mutilation reports? I would say not in, a, in conjunction in the cases that I've seen personally. I mean, I looked at three mutes myself uh, up here in Manitoba. Um, there was an interest, and what's curious is that they were occurring in the same locations where there were UFOs being seen. So there wasn't a direct connection in terms of, you know, witnesses seeing a, a UFO and then a mute being found uh, the next day in their yard or something like that. But they were occurring in the same general area. And um, Tommy Roy Bland, uh, who was one of the early investigators of, uh, of mutes, actually prepared a report for uh, the RCMP in Calgary um, on his belief that we were looking at some sort of satanic rituals and, and so forth. Um, and he was uh, received by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police with almost open arms. I mean, they, they accepted his report, they discussed it, they thanked him for the report. Uh, it wasn't dismissed at all. So it was a very, it was a very good relationship that was, uh, you know, being fostered at that time regarding uh, officials and the uh, the mute uh, situation, and because the uh, in that report too, I think Tommy actually included a lot of UFO cases that were occurring, and there were some occurring at that time in Alberta as well. That uh, there was this relationship that uh, was, if not obvious, but uh, uh, certainly something that was notable. Ah, you know, I just had uh, just something to ask about. Those cases where injuries were reported, the ones that we've considered the more famous cases, any possibility some or all of them were due to experimental aircraft rather than some kind of unknown? Oh, there. I think there's no question that, that they might have been. Um, in the uh, Mihala case, that's, uh, that's always was something that was considered. Uh, in fact, um, there's an entire chapter in uh, Palmiro Campagna's book on Canadian UFOs uh, where he you know, lays out the, the case that it was, in fact, uh, sort of an extension of the uh, Avro saucer uh, that was being developed, uh, that continued to be developed, and, uh, and that there was a, a test vehicle of some sort. The problem that I have with that is if what was, uh, you know, what ended up burning uh, Mr. Mihalik was a test vehicle of some sort, one would expect um, more, I don't know, more documentation, more sightings. Like, you know, here we have something that was capable of vertical takeoff and landing in a, in a disc shaped. And yet, um, after 1967, there weren't a lot of cases that exactly matched this description. So I don't think that we would have seen a single uh, prototype like this. We would have seen some stages, maybe, you know, oval or square and then larger and smaller. And, and it didn't manifest until much later that we, you know, we began to see some you know, drones and things like that. Let me uh, ask you more about that in the next segment. Chris Rutkowski sure. is joining us this week. You're in the Paracast. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. 
Genesis is defined as an origin, creation, or the beginning. Genesis Communications Network began with the mission of providing you with the kind of compelling content you're listening to now. And at GCNlive.com, you'll find a free archive of our nation's history, narrated by GCN hosts, explored, shared, and passed down to future generations. GCN is the future of talk radio, but we should always strive to learn from our past. Together, we are GCNlive.com. GCN. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. This is big! By popular demand, the Freeze-Dry Guys Giant Factory Authorized Sale has been extended. Now through August, save 30 to 45% on number 10 cans of high-quality Mountain House freeze-dried foods from the Freeze-Dry Guy. Now is the time to stock up on all factory-fresh stock of the finest, best-tasting, longest-proven shelf-life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45%. But hurry, supplies are limited, so this sale is only through the end of August. Call 866-404-3663. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry! The giant factory authorized Mountain House sale with savings of 30 to 45% is extended through August. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I keep coming back to this issue with regard to possible test aircraft. And I realize these seem to be one-off cases. The one you're referring to, Chris Rutkowski, Cash Landrum, of course, Rendlesham. And the only thing I would say, which means nothing, is that maybe one reason you don't see repetitions is because by causing injuries to people, personal injury, which can cause serious problems because obviously the authorities can get sued, if nothing else, and the politicians can get bad publicity, if nothing else, and not get reelected, that they elected not to repeat these experiments because of the fact that nasty things happened. And that might be it, that Maybe there were other experiments that didn't intrude on the public space, but the ones that did cause problems. So let's stop that and try something different. I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems, though, that these cases are accidental. It's not that like the, the witnesses are inadvertently targeted as being convenient uh, uh, to the actual proximity of the craft. It seems to me, and Chris, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, many of these cases are seem to be a, a witness stumbling on some sort of mechanized device that's possibly emitting radiation. And even sometimes the device seems to be in trouble. It's not, Gene, I don't think it's it's like these people are being targeted. I'm not saying they're being targeted. I'm just saying they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. But the point being here is that it happened that people suffered injuries causes a lot of complications. 
And look how they hide things. Look how the government kind of didn't tell us about the mess of the VA here in the U.S. until the scandal got out of proportion. Right. Isn't that typical for governments? You really want to hide the bad news. So if people are getting <laughs> injured, maybe there are other cases that we don't know about where they got to the people in time before there was publicity and said, hey, you know, we'll take care of your medical care. Or in this case, things got out of hand before they got to that. In fact, in the case of John Burroughs, they don't want to take care of his medical care. That's his big problem. Right. Although we did find out about the VA situation. That's the, the other point. We haven't, we don't have good documentation and a public admission of, of the UFO situation that they actually do have these, these vehicles or something like that. Um, and that goes back to something Stan Friedman would, would say about uh, how that you, they can keep secrets. You know, the, the Manhattan Project was kept secret for a long, long, long time. And uh, there continue to be black projects uh, that Congress has, you know, no uh, access to whatsoever. So uh, there's a lot of secrets that are out there. So would the, uh, you know, is this a case of where there was something so secret that uh, it'll never become public? Or is it a, a case that, uh, you know, we're just waiting for the, the right opportunity? Well, that raises the bigger question here, which is back to disclosure. Is it possible the government has any government, Canadian, U.S., Russian, Chinese, India, U.K., guilty knowledge of what UFOs really are if they're not test aircraft, if they're not conventional? Is that a possibility? And if so, is that it, that they'll always be able to keep the secret for as long as it serves their purposes? Well, I think that secrets can be kept permanently. I mean, uh, I mean, things do leak out from time to time, depending on how uh, how much you invoke the fear of God into uh, some people. I mean, you only have to watch House of Cards to see how well contrived uh, uh, secrets in Washington can get. Uh, and in the case of Roswell, I mean, uh, we're talking uh, a long time ago now, and the the story has become so confused by various witnesses, by the fact that I'm sure the documentation is gone or locked away so securely that we're not going to open a cigar box by accident when we're poking around in somebody's office and seeing all the the Roswell revelations, like uh, a story that came out a few years ago uh, suggested. I would be very surprised if uh, something as secret as that could be uh, admitted. And yet, in terms of, you know, alien visitors, Phil Plate would be shocked to find out that he agrees with me uh, on this, but uh, I think it's it's very likely that aliens coming to visit Earth would be detectable by uh, uh, astronomers, you know, if they're coming in fleets or motherships and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that's the premise of, uh, of District 9 and, and uh, movies like that. Well, you know uh, the NRO is keeping an eye on things coming in. Oh, absolutely. You know, and amateur astronomers are probably the best ones because they're the ones who are actually spending time at their telescopes every night looking up and uh, they have the all sky cameras in their backyards and, and things like that. And so, you know, we have a good eye uh, on the sky in that regard. But at the same time, that assumes that there's a technology that, uh, or there isn't a technology out there that, uh, you know, can uh, hide themselves from us. And I'm not convinced that uh, we have all the technology figured out quite yet. But having said that, I, I suspect that we'll, we're never going to get to the bottom of the Roswell thing. And that, that may shock people because I'm theoretically on the dream, dream team and uh, I haven't seen any data yet. <laughs> That has come my way that proves one thing or another. Yeah, Gene and uh, I aren't holding our breaths, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, but I haven't seen anything coming my way that proves anything one or one way or another. But I'm I'm willing to take an objective look at uh, any evidence. So as far as Roswell goes, 
I don't know. I suspect we're never going to get to the bottom of it. Uh, as for you some know, of the you know, cases, those files hit a hit a, a burn bag uh, at some point. It, it yeah, exactly. yeah, but you know something here. If we did retrieve a spaceship and a few bodies. That itself is exposing what happened to more people. It's not just an academic report of what we saw in the sky. It's something where there's physical evidence that has been recovered. And the more people get involved, the more cooks preparing the stew, the more possibility that real stuff is going to leak, not just a bunch of contradictory stories remembered 30 years later. Absolutely true. And the problem is, in the case of Roswell, we're looking at something that happened in 1947. And the original witnesses and the families of the original, immediate families of the original witnesses have by and large passed away. So we are looking at third-hand accounts uh, that we are looking at documents. And yet, if we did have Dulcer or, you know, one of those bases where there's underground uh, aliens and pickle jars and, and uh, you know, reverse-engineered whatever. Nightmare Hall. Yeah. I like the pickle jar You like the pickle jar. Yeah. I would think, true, that there would be somebody who would be blowing the whistle, and it wouldn't be Edward Snowden. It would be somebody else with a, a little closer access to it. Uh, and yet we're not seeing that. Now, does that mean that after hey, we have these- We have Anthony Sanchez's Colonel X. <laughs> Colonel X, that's right. Yeah, we do have Actually, a that's Tim Beckley's Colonel B, or is it Tim Beckley's Commander X? Yeah. I Commander lost track. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are people coming forward. I saw the deathbed confession that was produced, uh, I think, last year or the year before. Some of those are intriguing, but they can't be verified. And, right. you know, I, I think it's a problem. What do you do with cases like that? And, uh, apocryphal, I think, would be the term. <laughs> apocryphal, indeed, yes. <laughs> You know, one thing that, you know, we're kind of skirting around the subject again of disclosure. One thing that I think that uh, Canadian uh, researchers and investigators such as yourself have in their favor is is more of a sense of openness from the government, from the military, from local and regional officials. There isn't quite the stigma, it appears, in Canada, in the media and in, you know, military circles and that sort of thing. People are, I think, a little bit more circumspect and they seem to be more open minded in official capacities up there. Would you agree? I'd have to agree. I mean, uh, there was actually a parliamentary, uh, or sorry, a legislative assembly statement uh, investigation that was uh, presented in the government of the Northwest Territories, or was it the Yukon? I think it was uh, Yukon after all. A number of years ago when Martin Jacek presented his findings on the Yukon case, and it actually was entered into official government records. We don't find that going on in a lot of countries, although, you know, a lot of countries today, I mean, I saw the Chile um, notes uh, just the other day, and, you know, we have England and the release of the MOD report. And all there's a lot of countries around the world who are releasing information and do have official investigations. You know, uh, in France, you know the the center out there is doing a, a very interesting job of collecting cases in both uh, official capacity and from citizens. There are some interesting documents that are being made available, and I think there is a, a general openness as far as Canada goes. I mean, remember that you know we wouldn't necessarily have the MJ12 discussions that we would be having now if it wasn't for the fact that Wilbert Smith. A Canadian reported to his superiors in Ottawa after a trip down to Washington on uh, what his investigations and queries about flying saucers were. You know, back in the 50s, he found that there was some serious discussion going on in Washington. And while that document in which he uh, reported to his superiors about the seriousness of of UFOs in the United States was uh, not made public in the United States for quite some time, it was made public in Canada much, much earlier. So there always has been a very interesting connection between the two countries. And it's true, Canada has been generally open. I mean, even to this day, I get reports through official channels uh, regarding some UFOs. So, you know, that may change. 
Chris Rutkowski is with us. You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV This is big! By popular demand, the Freeze-Dry Guys Giant Factory Authorized Sale has been extended. Now through August, save 30 to 45% on number 10 cans of high-quality Mountain House freeze-dried foods from the Freeze-Dry Guy. Now is the time to stock up on all factory-fresh stock of the finest, best-tasting, longest-proven shelf-life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45%. But hurry, supplies are limited, so this sale is only through the end of August. Call 866 404 
866-454-3663. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry! The giant factory authorized mountain house sale with savings of 30 to 45% is extended through August. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Of course, when we talk about Canadian UFO research, we have one other gentleman whose name enters to the picture, Chris O'Brien. Tell Chris Rutkowski who that is. Well, I'm sure, Chris, uh, a couple of years back, you were uh, interested in, in uh, the so-called Stephen Bassett's so-called uh, disclosure hearings. And the very last person to get up and address the panel was a, was a former Minister of Defense from Canada, Paul Hellyer. And what stunned me was that he read verbatim a transcript allegedly uh, put together by Jim Sparks, a questionable abductee, and Hellyer read what the ETs allegedly had told uh, Sparks about environmental degradation and, and atomic uh, weapons and all these kind of, you know, cliche phrases that crop up from time to time in the abduction and contactee literature. What is your take on Hellyer and how could someone in you know, former capacity like that come across so naive. If I hadn't been working there, I, mean, I would have started raising some, my voice in the audience with some in indignation based on what he was saying. Where do you come down on the hell your uh, involvement in all this? Yeah, I remember talking with Don Schmidt about this, and he said as soon as uh, Hellier started speaking, he he closed his notebook because he figured that that's the the end of the conference. There's there's no point even talking about it. Yeah, it's interesting that the comments that uh, Hellier was was uh, phrasing there from Sparks is basically the contactee message of the 1950s. Uh, notice how we've come full circle again in so many ways. I have actually talked with uh, Paul Hellier on a couple of occasions. He and I were uh, guests on a, a program up here in Canada. Uh, I found him very nice, very uh, very pleasant gentleman. I simply have no idea how he could possibly say the things he's doing. I mean, the, this comments that he was making about the uh, uh, the aliens uh, in the uh, uh, Las Vegas bases, uh, you know, they go into Las Vegas in disguise so they can go to the casinos and shop and things like that. I mean, it's so ridiculous. One could just imagine that we're talking about a science fiction program more than anything else. And yet this person has very good credentials. In fact, his UFO connection goes back uh, quite far back into the into uh, the 1960s. He uh, actually gave the statement from the Canadian government when the UFO landing pad in St. Paul, Alberta was dedicated. Uh, he actually opened that, uh, which was quite interesting because uh, at that time, which was 19, uh, also 67, uh, you know, people weren't really talking in those terms. When Hellier often comments about how he hadn't seen any UFO good information crossing his desk as Minister of Defense. Uh, I find that very hard to believe because I've gone looking through the archives uh, for documents and there's many documents regarding UFOs that uh, are to his attention, um, that look to be, a, that it was brought to his attention on some classic cases, certainly cases like uh, 
the Falcon Lake incident, uh, Charleswood, and, and a few others took place during his tenure. Uh, so I find it hard to believe how he wouldn't have any knowledge of what was really going on until he was uh, on a vacation and somebody gave him a book you know, on UFOs that really had some doubts. And he, he, said, he says now that he uh, has confirmation of uh, this information about uh, the contactee and abductee situation through a, a military friend of his that he can't disclose uh, the identity of. I just find the entire story very, very unbelievable. Uh, in fact, the damage that his comments make to ufology is uh, in, inestimable because it's very, very unusual. And yet uh, he's very pleasant. He's a, a nice man. Some have suggested that perhaps he's a disinformer. He's making the, the whole UFO thing look bad. Yeah, that's what uh, I was going to ask you, <laughs> what you thought. <laughs> it's it's certainly possible, um, but I uh, I really don't know. He, he's making some extraordinary claims that most uh, serious ufologists uh, you know wouldn't even touch with a ten foot pole. So I I really don't know. I I uh, I know that there had been some UFO policies that were formulated in the 1960s that he must have been aware of uh, as Minister of Defense. I I I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Now, I don't want to be insulting about it, but maybe he's seen better years, and as he gets older, he becomes more gullible, or maybe he just wants to seem relevant by coming out with more extreme statements? Uh, it's possible. Some people have suggested perhaps uh, dementia is setting in, and all I can say is that when I was sitting next to him uh, on, a, uh, on a TV program, uh, he was as sharp as a tack. I don't know what uh, to say beyond that. Well, I guess you can't assume a person who is a little bit older, is necessarily losing it. I mean, we had Stanton Friedman on a few weeks ago, just turned 80, just had a mild heart attack, and he was as sharp as he ever was. We had Don Berliner somewhat later. He's 84. And you can't tell when you listen to the show. This guy is just raring to go. And he's very careful, very pointed in his comments. I don't know. So I do not know the man I do not presume to guess why he is making statements that are or seem less than credible. But there you go. There you go. What can I say? Wilbert Smith. Now, he evidently was quite close to Major Donald Kehoe in the early days because he was mentioned in his books. What's your assessment of the information he brought forth, especially his contacts with the U.S. and his efforts to make the UFO subject credible in Canada? Well, uh, certainly Wilbert Smith, you know, is responsible for a lot of the interesting uh, material that we have from the 1950s. Uh, Grant Cameron has done a great job of tracking down uh, Smith. He actually uh, spent some time with uh, Smith's uh, wife and, excuse me, and, and some of his other family. Uh, so there's some interesting documents that are uh, available. Um, he was uh, uh, worked in electrical engineering. Uh, he actually managed to create a, a flying saucer I don't know, detection station at Shirley's Bay uh, in Ontario. And uh, one of the interesting cases in the records of uh, Canadian ufology is that uh, at one point his detection equipment went off indicating that something was going to be flying overhead. And uh, he, uh, he recorded this and nothing was actually seen, but uh, there's something very large set off all these magnetic and electromagnetic detectors uh, that he had set up. He also got into some pretty strange stuff. I mean, he uh, created uh, uh, binding meters and, and things like that uh, uh, for uh, detecting uh, objects in the sky. 
none of his work with regard to UFOs was endorsed by the uh, by the Canadian government. This is something that uh, was always purported to be in his own time because of his interest. They let him do his own thing because uh, he was quite a genius in electrical engineering. In fact, some of his patents uh, still stand today for some of the electrical equipment that's in use around the world. Um, uh, and yet he, you know, claimed contact with uh, uh, with aliens, more contactee, more than abductee. Uh, an interesting story. Uh, and yet, you know, mixed in with all this, he was in, uh, involved in the uh, Canadian uh, UFO projects that were on official basis, uh, Project uh, uh, Magnet and, and Second Story. Uh, seemed to have been crowded out of some of the Second Story cases uh, by some of the uh, upper management. And yet he was instrumental in trying to make some sense. In fact, I think he sincerely tried to understand the UFO phenomenon uh, in terms of physical craft, trying to understand uh, understand magnetic uh, lines of force. Perhaps the craft were flying, you know, through the atmosphere, following magnetic lines of force. Did some uh, interesting work on uh, magnetic mapping. Let's uh, go into that in our next segment with Chris Rutkowski. With Gene and KK, you're in the Paracast. GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Find out how to stop Big Brother and his tracks at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com the Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, just imagine, there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercial just like the one you're listening to right now no other network provides the level of customer service we do when it comes to radio advertising we are your one-stop shop and no matter how big or small your business is we can help email us and advertise at gcnlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website advertise at gcnlive.com easy affordable effective for over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. 
But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Hi, this is Larry Smith. Sometimes bad things happen to good people, like when the jeweler ruined my ring and wouldn't do anything about it. But when my Legal Shield attorney called him and told him what my rights were, I received a check for over $2,100. Worry less and live more with lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. Again, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Next to water and food, you need a safe, storable fuel supply for your preparedness needs. Spare fuel is the answer. Spare fuel can be used in any gas-powered vehicle or generator. Spare fuel is perfect for any unforeseen out-of-gas emergencies. Unlike gasoline, spare fuel is safe to store with your other supplies, and it can be stored for many years. Go to GetSpareFuel.com for special pricing. That's GetSpareFuel.com. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. Again, if you want to get a copy of Chris O'Brien's Secrets of the Mysterious Valley, where he sums up lots of years of research, we have a free copy of the ebook just for you. All you have to do is sign up for our weekly newsletter, the Paracast newsletter. Go to theparacast.com, theparacast.com, sign up, and we'll email you a link to download that newsletter. Chris Rutkowski is joining us, and we're focusing on UFO research, particularly in Canada, talking about the late Wilbert Smith and some of his activities. Let me just move away, because we have only two segments left, trying to look at different implications of UFO research. And I'll start with this before I ask you more about your 25 years, the 15,000 sightings that you collected. And that is, do you think there's an answer that will come in our lifetimes, or at least my son's lifetime? Uh, to the UFO question completely? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Um, it depends on uh, the direction that you, you know, think that the UFO phenomenon is taking. If you're thinking that the UFO phenomenon represents an alien intervention of some sort, uh, I suspect um, we're going to be getting some more information over the, the next little while because we're probably only a, a few years away now uh, for astronomers to announce the discovery of uh, a truly Earth-like planet within uh, close proximity. 
Uh, we're very close to that. There have been many exoplanets which have been discovered. Some are you know, too hot, too cold, too close to the star and so forth. Probably very close to uh, one that's very much like ourselves. And there's been a lot of speculation of what that means. If we do find one uh, that's very much like Earth, very close to us, do we make some attempts to contact them? And why wouldn't you know, something that's there contact us? Uh, in terms of trying to understand the UFO phenomenon, in terms of what uh, has been covered up or uh, the documentation or, or is there enough investigation going on, I have no doubt that uh, various governments in the world have more information than they're letting on. I mean, uh, there must be more documentation of cases. Uh, there's a big gap uh, in the United States, what happened after Blue Book, for example, since 1970. Uh, what, are, what happened to all the cases that are uh, that are being reported then? Is there an investigation going on? Even during Blue Book, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of evidence that there were good cases that were being funneled elsewhere, so that they weren't part of the Blue Book study. Uh, where are all those reports? Is there a, a high-level investigation going on? I suspect uh, that simply by the nature of the beast that there would be some uh, high-level investigations uh, in uh, in numbers of uh, various governments. Whether that means that the UFOs are real in the sense of spaceships from another planet or test projects uh, for military applications or a natural phenomenon that may be used in the case of Wilbur Smith where he was looking into possible military applications, uh, uh, you know, having military vehicles traveling on magnetic lines of force, that type of thing. I don't know, but I suspect that there is more to be found, and it's simply through decent investigation, diligence on the part of uh, UFO investigators, and perhaps allegiances and perhaps alliances uh, with debunkers and skeptics. I mean, I'm not, uh, I think that, uh, for example, in the case of Ted Malzahn's study of satellite re-entries, there's no question that uh, if UFO investigators were working much closer with people involved in uh, the study of satellites and their orbits and re-entries, that a lot of classic UFO cases uh, might be solved or might have more information. And in, you know, in military applications, maybe people with connections to the military might uh, assist UFO investigators in coming clean and trying to understand what's going on with regard to some classic cases uh, of the past, maybe even some coming up uh, uh, in the past few years. So I think we're we're on the dawn of some you know changes to ufology, uh, probably both good and bad. Uh, I think that there's a desperate need for good investigation. I think that such a small fraction, maybe uh, only five percent of all uh, UFO cases, are being adequately investigated. Hopefully, people will be looking at uh, or listening to podcasts like this. Uh, wanting to get more involved, wanting to learn more about the phenomenon, not dismissing it out of hand and not embracing everything they read about completely either, but trying to understand what's going on and liaising with the scientific community. Uh, there's a, a good invisible college out there that uh, Valet used to describe of scientists who are open to the possibility of that there's real value in studying the UFO phenomenon. I, I think that as we progress into the, the future that some of the grad students of uh, today will be taking a closer look at what's going on in the future. There's a general perception, and I guess this is based on the attendance profile of recent UFO conventions, that most of the people who look into these things are over 50. It's not like, you know, we had two to 4,000 people at this contact in the desert event, 400 people at the recent MUFON convention, but 130,000 at Comic-Con San Diego. So is this a subject just for older people, or do young people simply consume their media differently? I think that 
there's a, a need to listen to the wisdom of the elders, certainly. Um, and the UFO phenomenon does go back a ways. In fact, people starting uh, into uh, looking at the phenomenon recently uh, and pretending that the past 50 years of ufology doesn't exist, they're going to reinvent the wheel, are really not appreciating what's been going on. I, I'm always encountering people who come up with theories that have been thought about 30 years ago. At the same time, your point about Comic-Con is very good. In fact, one of the best attended talks I ever gave was at the Worldcon when it was up here in Canada in about 1986 or so. Worldcon, by the way, is a science fiction convention, folks. Yeah, the, uh, supposedly the largest, although Comic-Con these days is, is much, much larger, but uh, yeah. And I gave a presentation on UFOs, and it was very well received. There were a lot of skeptics in the audience, but uh, by and large, uh, the science fiction community was interested in hearing uh, about uh, the UFO phenomenon from a, a straight point of view. I mean, they weren't necessarily interested in the abductions and contactee stuff because they read that all the time in the comic books and uh, in science fiction literature. They wanted to know what was real. And the fact that there are real science panels uh, at science fiction conventions uh, and at Comic-Con now, too, uh, suggests that there is a need for good science and good understanding of, of the world in which we live and the understanding the universe. And I think there's a way to bridge between the, uh, the old guard and uh, the people coming on board. Now, traditionally, though, I've found that people in the science fiction field tend to be negative about UFOs. And maybe that changed with regard to your session at Worldcon. But that's been my experience over the years. And maybe that's a helpful change. Yeah, and it's true that uh, by and large, science fiction people aren't really into UFOs. It's looked upon as its own genre, and um, it is interesting that uh, many UFO conventions resemble uh, science fiction conventions in a lot of way in their structure and uh, the, the way that discussions go and so forth, uh, even to the point of the huckster tables being some of the same tables at UFO conventions and science fiction conventions. I think that uh, that it is changing. I think that young people uh, into the, the, the you know uh, science fiction and actually manga and anime now more than anything else. If you look at the people attending man manga and anime conventions, uh, they really are unversed in ufology and maybe they need an introduction. And I think that there probably should be a, a better effort to reach out to uh, these uh, these groups of individuals and uh, just get a dialogue going, not to, to thrust anything on them, but let's, let's say, let's talk about what's really going on because, um, you know, there's some interesting cases out there in ufology that if they're not science fiction, uh, maybe they are real. Well, it would be nice to see a change in the world of science fiction. I'll tell you what, there's another question in the till here from Randall, our friend Ufology on the forums, your fellow Canadian. And he's asking about the top five cases that you investigated out of those 15,000 that you collected. Of course, you mentioned before that it was maybe the 1% that were unknown. Of course, we all joke about the 1%, but in this case, if we had one good UFO sighting, it would be sufficient to prove that something weird is going on. So in our next segment, the question on the table, what are the best five cases or any cases that our listeners will find interesting, compelling in the ones that you worked on? Chris Rutkowski and his crew looked into 15,000 cases, 25 years of UFO research in Canada. One more segment to come with Gene and Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Free. 
free from the shackles of corporate America. We're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. It's the heart of summer across America. Thoughts turn to childhood and long days of fun. Everybody would love to feel like a kid again. And HB Extract can be a vital tool in your battle to stay vibrant and young as it supports healthy blood pressure and circulation while balancing cholesterol. GCN and longtime sponsor HB Extract want to help keep your heart healthy with the 30 Bottles 30 Days Summer Giveaway. Enter to win by visiting GCNlive.com between now and August 29th and click on the contest banner in the top left corner of the page. HB Extract has helped tens of thousands of people worldwide feel good again. And they've done it with HB Extract's exclusive formula of wild crafted and organic herbs. Here's to you enjoying many more long, warm, and fun-filled summers free of pain and sickness. Visit GCNlive.com and enter to win in the 30 Bottle 30 Days Summer Giveaway with HB Extract. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Sign up now at GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While well, my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues, no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even if I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months. 
simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Question on the table. Top five UFO cases among the 15,000. You want to give us brief summaries of some of these oh. cases, Chris Rutkowski? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one to, to pick out just five. There's no question that you know, we've we've touched on some of the top five uh, of all time. You know, we, uh, the, the the Falcon Lake case, Shag Harbor, uh, Langenberg. We we haven't mentioned, but people are probably familiar with those. Those go back quite a few years. Now, the past twenty five years, I sat down with Jeff uh, Dittman and Ashley Kircher. We went through all the you know the the ones that were considered high quality. We said, okay, which ones? are the best of the best. And we came up with a, an interesting list. One that really stands out for me is Etzacom, Alberta. And uh, Etzacom is barely a dot on the map uh, in southern Alberta, quite close to the uh, American border. Uh, in April of 2001, a number of people had seen uh, funnel-shaped flames uh, descending from the sky and then rising over, uh, uh, rising into the sky again. And shortly after that, a crater was found in the field. This was, uh, you know, it's a, it looked like a, a moon crater. It was about, uh, oh, 20, 30 feet wide or something like that. And somebody said, well, maybe it was a, uh, a meteorite uh, crater. Uh, you know, something fell from the sky and that's what it looked like because it, it looked a lot like that. This was actually investigated by astronomers who concluded that it was not a meteor crater. The question is then, what was it? Uh, and we actually have, you know, a detailed analysis of this crater, detailed studies available. The witnesses uh, testify they did see something appear to fall from the sky over this field. And the crater was physically there. One of the most puzzling cases that we ever recorded during the, this entire time. One case down, four to go. Four, okay. I would then have to go to uh, Pickle Lake, Ontario, uh, February 1994. A pilot was flying uh, over northwestern Ontario and saw a saucer-shaped object with a classic curved top uh, on, and uh, brown and orange in color with dark spots along his rim. It actually flew below his plane and then rose up to his altitude, closed to within about 300 yards, and then dove to the ground. Scared the heck out of him, and the pilot said that uh, he was, you know, very, very puzzling about, uh, or puzzled about what possibly could have occurred. Uh, another one from the top five. I mentioned this one already. The the nurse who returned home from uh, working at, at a hospital. This is November of 1992. The abduction case. Not a classic abduction because these were not the classic grays. There was something a little bit different, but a lot of the elements are there. Included missing time. I'm including it because. Very few abduction cases were physically reported to us. Uh, there are actually some that were reported to uh, the Canadian forces. There were some that were reported to us. This was uh, reported very early on in the Canadian uh, UFO survey, 1992. And uh, we had the opportunity to speak with the nurse, uh, talk with her at length. Uh, she drew uh, the imagery 
from it. It, uh, it was a very, very curious case, and we included it in our list of the, the top of uh, the past 25 years. Um, if I was to go into another one, London, Ontario, December of 1991, a pilot of a commercial airliner flying along 33,000 feet uh, when all of a sudden the uh, airborne avoid- avoidance uh, collision radar detected three objects directly ahead of his plane. The objects moved to beside him at a range of about six miles and paced him, and then they flew away. And it's reported that uh, the Toronto Air Traffic Control reported the objects on radar as well. So there's a radar case that uh, that was reported over the past 25 years. And finally, I have to include it, uh, Montreal, Quebec, 1990. Uh, in November, a woman was swimming on a pool that was on the 17th floor of a very large hotel in downtown Montreal. She saw uh, an object uh, stationary in the sky projecting a series of light beams in the sky. Police were called and eventually dozens of people saw this uh, this object and photographs were taken which persisted for three hours stationary in the sky and then vanished. A number of explanations have been produced uh, whether this was some sort of specialized northern lights to reflections from nearby buildings and, and so forth hasn't adequately been explained but we, uh, you know, it could have been a reflection from some uh, some skylights and things like that. Yet, it's a puzzle uh, seen by very many people, investigated by the police. Now, when you refer to the radar case before, this was a simultaneous radar visual sighting. No, nothing visual was ever seen. This was simply uh, by the pilot's radar and also detected by the ground radar. All right. Yeah. So Re- it was simultaneous. It was simultaneous, but not visual. Now, the reason I mention this is because one of the comments that Bob Schaefer made on last week's episode, he was disputing the early radar visual cases, one saying they were in different locations, and if that didn't work, well, maybe our radar wasn't as good then, so there were basically false positives. Yeah, as a matter of fact, there's a a series of really interesting cases during the really early days of ufology in the 40s. Uh, I think it was 1948 when uh, the radar installation, American radar installation in um, Labrador, had a number of UFOs detected on radar and on different sets, as a matter of fact. And this is well documented. The, the, uh, there's many, many case files regarding this where the same radar that was used to vector in some of the aircraft that were known to be flying detected other things, too, that weren't flying at all at the time. You can't have it both ways. You can't either say that the radar isn't functioning uh, at all or malfunctioning or the fact that, uh, you know, it, uh, it is actually very good and usable in, in military operations. Right. Uh, certainly, we've come a long way since the 1940s. Uh, we don't admittedly get a lot of radar cases anymore. Uh, certainly not the, the same number of, that we would be getting back then. Uh, radar is a bit iffy, uh, although, again, you know, these are the same pieces of equipment that are used every day, and if something is detected on radar that shouldn't be there, I think it's worth a, to worth a, a close look. And besides, we don't have an avalanche of aircraft crashes, so obviously the radar is doing something right. <laughs> There's no question that something's going right. <laughs> although I don't know about this theory about Roswell that the radar brought down E.T., you have to think, is E.T. that primitive? <laughs> yeah, would they really fly all the way here from a distant planet and get into a thunderstorm and uh, and crash? Right. Well, it was a super-duper secret high-powered radar unit. Yes, yeah. yeah. Chris, uh, give us a short list of some of the up-and-coming uh, younger generation of investigators that you feel their work should be supported and... and um, and acknowledged. 
Oh, that's an interesting question. Got to um, be short, though, like a minute or a minute and a half. Okay, <laughs> okay I have to point to uh, certainly uh, Kurt Collins is quite uh, quite good in, in his work. And um, um, Claudette Hubert, uh, she's a Canadian. I have to give a plug to uh, the Canadians because, uh, you know, I think they should. Um, that uh, she's been doing some very excellent work recently uh, in Alberta. Uh, and uh, she's been uh, investigating Sault Ste. Clair. Uh, in Toronto, uh, is doing some very good work with her uh, partner, Matthew DJ, uh, and uh, uh, been in contact with, oh, I'm trying to remember some of the individuals down in the States. Uh, oh, uh, Micah Hanks, I think, is a very interesting person, uh, very, very knowledgeable, and uh, he's been doing some very interesting work and offering some discussions of his own. Yep. So there's a, a handful right there. That's a good handful. Micah Hanks was on the show a couple of weeks ago. He's a friend of the show. Kurt Collins, of course, appears as Sentry in our forums, and he's a regular, very, very, very productive participant, and also helps us run the JimMosley.com site, a memorial site for the late Jim Mosley. Chris Rutkowski, please tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Uh, you can certainly go to uh, uh, my blog, which is uforum, U-F-O-R-U-M dot blogspot dot com. Uh, links there to various books. I actually have nine books published uh, in wow. the UFO field in general. Uh, also, the 25-year study. Uh, and if you want to look at the Canadian UFO surveys, there's links there. You can go directly to survey.canadianuforeport.com. And by the way, if you sign up for our Paracast newsletter every week, you get a commentary from me and other people. Get your free copy at theparacast.com, theparacast.com. Sign up. We get you a copy of the ebook version of Secrets of the Mysterious Valley from Chris O'Brien at theparacast.com. Chris's own site is ourstrangeplanet.com, ourstrangeplanet.com. If you buy a copy of the hardcover edition, actually it's a paperback edition, you buy a copy of the physical edition of Stalking the Herd, Chris will sign and number it. On Facebook, there's an official Paracast fan club. On Twitter, we are known as the Paracast. Some other people have other names for us, but we can't repeat them on family radio. Chris Rutkowski, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Pleasure to be here. The Paracast. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>